Hello team and welcome back to the Simply Fit Podcast. Today I bring you some incredible news. I have been working on a secret project for the past three or four months now and I now can tell you that the brand new follow along workout channel is live and here. On this YouTube channel, you're gonna find workouts for fat loss, muscle building, improving your cardio health, flexibility, everything is gonna be on there. You're gonna find body weight workouts, dumbbell workouts, kettlebell and resistance bands workouts, all that you can follow along with. And the best part is that it's completely free. They're also around 10 to 20 minutes long, meaning if you're short of time, you can quickly complete an effective workout or you can combine like two or three of them together and complete like a full 45 to 60 minute workout. New workouts will go live on the channel every Tuesday and Thursday and they're gonna be accompanied by an amazing backdrop, which I'm sure you're all gonna enjoy. So if you wanna find the channel, just search Elliot Hassoon into YouTube and you'll find it very easily. And please subscribe. It makes me very, very happy and it helps the channel grow. And feel free to tell your friends, your family, your pets, whoever you want to share this with and let's work out together. Welcome to the Simply Fit Podcast. I'm your host, Elliot Hassoun. In this podcast, I'll be looking at three key questions related to fitness, nutrition, and mindset. I will break these down into information that is easy to understand and actionable so that you can apply it to your life today. This podcast will give you all you need to improve your health and well-being once and for all. So sit back, listen, and most importantly, take action. Hello, wonderful people. It's great to be here with you all today and be back with episode 35 of the Simply Fit Podcast. I really hope you've been enjoying the previous few episodes and are ready for another solo edition today. And I'll be honest, I feel like the world needs today's episode. And I'm going to predict that it's probably going to be one of the most popular episodes that we create as well. So I'm really excited to get going on this today. And over the past few weeks, I've had countless conversations with my clients about the return of their social lives. And although the pandemic provided many challenges, to say the least, it did reduce one major challenge that most people have when embarking on a health and fitness journey. And that, of course, is the amount of social occasions in which they have to attend. The weddings, the holidays, the nights out, basically all those normal things that filled up our lives in the past. And now that they are returning and in full force, which I'll go deeper into in just a minute, we need to learn how to reintegrate ourselves while still staying focused on those goals that we've set for ourselves and still looking to achieve those just like we did when we initially set the intention. And although this might sound like, you know, a big challenge to have to navigate and a little bit frustrating, and I have heard a lot of people say, you know, I wish I would have started during the lockdown would have been so much easier or if I was just as you know a little bit more adherent when I was working towards my goals during the lockdown I might be done and dusted with this dieting phase by now and although those things may be true to a degree I actually think that having social occasions on your journey like this is genuinely a good thing If you presented two people in front of me, one of which had zero occasions across a 16-week period, and then another person who had maybe five, six events across a 16-week period, I genuinely want to work with a person who had social occasions. Don't get me wrong, the person with the clear social calendar may get better results, right? It is going to be a little easier to control things. However, a clear social calendar is just not normal life. Normal life has weddings, it has evenings out, it has holidays 
days in it. And my goal as your coach is to teach you not only how to get to your, to, to your goal, but also how to maintain your results for life. And if it's about maintaining results for life, then it makes far more sense for us to work together through these socials so you learn how to navigate them. Let's put it this way. And you guys know how much I love an analogy. So I'm going to share this one with you. When you're learning to drive, your instructor doesn't just have you drive around in empty car parks or a race course the entire time. They put you on the road. They take you out there so you experience what normal day-to-day driving is like as that's what you're going to experience once you pass your test. And the same is true for your health and fitness journey. It's better that you experience all of the hypothetical cars on the road so when you do face the inevitable social occasions in the future, you know how to handle them. And that was definitely one of my better analogies. So, all right. So now we understand that that this, in fact, is actually a good thing but it doesn't necessarily make things easier. Driving in an empty car park may technically be easier than driving on the road. But then again, you know, you might argue that because actually that will get boring after a while and there might be less concentration or motivation because you don't feel like you need to as much. And, you know, if you look at someone who has a clear 16 weeks on their calendar, they might not be as excited or motivated. They might see it as boring and restrictive. So that's another caveat to consider there as well. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be easier if you do have a clear social calendar because of sometimes if you do have these things on occasion you're actually incentivized to keep things a little bit tighter to be a little bit more focused to make sure that you are on point during the the time leading up to these social calendars right so that's thing to really consider there but it will be challenging. You will have to think ahead. You'll have to set intentions and boundaries. You'll have to stick to your words. You may have to experience peer pressure along the way. And you also have to work around your own temptations, which is why I want to bring this podcast to you guys today to go through exactly how we can make this a little bit more manageable and ensure you can still get the results you want without sacrificing your social life entirely. And before we go into this, I recorded an Instagram video earlier this week on the same topic. And I started by reminding people that we are simply experiencing a bit of a contrast effect in our lives at this moment in time. If you're looking at your calendar and thinking, damn, I've never had so many socials in my life, like you're not going to be alone. Think of all the weddings, birthdays, holidays, etc., that would have happened if the pandemic didn't happen, right? They would have been fairly evenly distributed across the, the entirety of 2020 and potentially early 2021. But as there were so many restrictions and no ability to do any of these things, we're simply seeing the pendulum swing in the complete opposite direction direction. So I do think this may last for a while, but it will eventually return to a slightly normal baseline. Or you will create that baseline for yourself by putting boundaries in place, which we'll discuss a little bit later. But it's totally normal to want to go out, to enjoy these things that you haven't been able to do over the past year or so. And it's also very normal that everyone else wants to do the same. So, all right, let's get down to business. And I'm going to go through three big points to consider first, and then I will go into the more actionable strategies. So I feel like the first thing that we have to look at here is your current goals and the stage in which you're at on your health and fitness journey right now. So if I'm working with someone who's going on holiday in three weeks time and you know that destination is on the green list and is one to two kilos away from hitting their goal, my advice to them is going to be very different to someone who's just trying to maintain and maybe has some performance goals in place. If your goal is time sensitive and you're pretty deep into your journey, the way in which you manage your social occasions and 
and potentially how many you go to needs to be carefully considered. Whereas if your calories are at maintenance or you're in a bit of a small surplus potentially, then you're going to have a little bit more freedom and flexibility within these socials. And it's highly likely that you'll be able to attend more uh, without too many troubles too. A lot of us make the mistake that thinking the current phase that we're in is our final destination. And this is especially true if you're on a weight loss journey and you've been on it for maybe three, six, nine months or longer even. It's very easy to get caught up in this being a permanent way of life, but we have to remember and recognize that this is just a phase. Our approach at EHC is that as soon as someone hits their checkpoint, our immediate goal becomes sustainability. We literally ask the guys we're working with, what does sustainability look like for you? And we start proactively working towards this. However, when we're pursuing a goal, we want to focus on being more adherent. We want to be smarter and strategic at these social occasions, as we don't want people to be dieting or staying in fat loss phases any longer than they should be. The sooner we get to your goal, the sooner we can find ourselves in a sustainable position. And once we get there, it's so much easier to partake in these social occasions where calories can be higher and you're not having to do quite as much exercise, whereas when you're quite deep into a weight loss journey. So be aware that you may have to err on the side of caution for the time being whilst you're deep into this phase, but the most important thing to remember is that it is just a phase. The next aspect I want to cover here is a big one, identity and boundaries. And I want to give you a real example to help illustrate what I mean by identity. And a hugely underestimated and unrecognized part of the health and fitness journey is in fact the identity shift. Let's say you started your health and fitness journey during the pandemic. However, before you were out every weekend, you were the one at the bar ordering all the drinks and you were known for being the life of the party. However, during the pandemic, you had a slight shift in perspective, which quite a lot of people did. Although you enjoyed the social aspect, you realized that your health is far more important than the excessive drinking you were doing. You'd rather be up on a Saturday morning with energy chasing your kids around the garden as opposed to recovering from a hangover. You decided that drinking will be saved now just for special occasions versus a weekly or even a monthly thing. Your friends haven't seen this shift as they've not seen much of you over the past year and now they start inviting you to socials as if nothing has changed. However, for you, a lot has changed. And the challenge that you'll face here because you were the life of the party for so long is that people are going to expect that of you. And when you don't fit into people's expectations of who they think you are, this can be really, really challenging. You might feel that you don't really know where you fit in your friends group anymore. They might call you boring or peer pressure you into being who you once were. There's a conflict in interest because you still care about your friends, but your health and wellness is now a huge, huge priority of yours. I think one of the biggest challenges here is that it comes out of nowhere and it's something that we don't really think about and it's not spoken enough about either. And the second aspect to this is that your friends and family might not have changed at all and they might have liked you being the life of the party and now that you're not fitting that identity that they saw you in before it might be a bit of a shift and a, a shock for them as well. So even if they're happy for you, you know, seeing these changes and everything, it may take a while for them to fully accept it and remember that you're not going back to the way that you were before. And you may even find that some will project their own insecurities about their own health and wellness on you. And they don't want to see you getting ahead. And it's harsh, but it's very true. And it happens a lot. And I'll tell you what's alluring, returning to your comfort zone, settling back into that previous identity 
identity. This is what you know. You can play that role really, really well. People like you being in that role, but you have to stay strong. Embrace the discomfort that will come. And in some cases, you may not be able to maintain certain relationships with people as they won't ever accept this new and improved version of yourself. And I feel this is underestimated massively, but you'll see this in multiple areas of life. When someone becomes happy, financially abundant, successful in any domain, there will be some people trying to pull them back because they're uncomfortable about your growth and they feel like you're leaving them behind. I've seen this happen in intimate relationships before where one partner is excelling with their health and wellness and the other is putting them down. They're saying they're a burden on the family, telling them to be normal again. And this frustrates the hell out of me, but it happens a lot. Falling back into the familiar is easy enough, especially when you don't have a strong support system. So how do you equip yourself to handle these challenges that could potentially come? Boundaries. And I feel like boundaries is going to be that new buzzword soon. And for good reason too. Not enough of us have boundaries in place. And even if we do to a degree, we find enforcing them incredibly hard. How often are you doing something that you don't want to do because you feel inclined to do it from friends, family, or potentially even work colleagues? How often are you attending a social event because you feel inclined for those guys as well? We've become conditioning to think that we have to give a reason to say no. We can't just say, I don't want to. It doesn't align with my goals or values. We have to say, oh, well, you know, I'd love to, but you know, I have this project to finish or my child has this event to attend to, this, 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 and that, which isn't actually true. You're just making something up. And the reality of the situation is that we just do not want to do or go to a certain thing that they're offering or asking us to. And what we've got to ask ourselves is what's wrong with saying, thank you for the invitation. I really appreciate it, but I'm not going to take you up on it. I'm just going to take some time to myself this weekend. Thank you for the invitation. I'd love to, but I'm really committed to my health and fitness goals. And I prefer to get some sleep and wake up fresh to work out in the morning. Thank you for the invitation, but I've got a lot of other commitments and I'd like to spend some quality time with my family, right? There is nothing wrong with any of these reasons, yet we feel that we need to over-explain why we're not attending when the answer might be that we simply don't want to and that is 100% okay. So let's say you do want to go, but you do want to eat in line with your health and fitness goals, let's say. Once again, you do not need to justify yourself. Communicating clearly that you have goals and a way of living that you feel more comfortable with is totally okay. And you don't have to say, I don't want dessert because I'm not hungry, or I ate before I came, or I'm on medication so I can't drink. These excuses need to be left behind. And the real thing we should be looking at is if your friends and family can't accept the way that you're eating or drinking or not eating and drinking, this says far more about them than it does you. So we need to think about what our boundaries are and ensure that we have intentions going into certain occasions if we want to keep in line with our values and our goals. If you're going in without thinking ahead, then it'll be easy to get caught up in the moment. And I'm not saying this is bad by any means, but the key for me and anyone I work with is that if you are going to eat and drink whatever you want, then it should be an intentional choice. And do you know what the best way of getting people to respect your boundaries is? Constant implementation. Your boundaries are only as good as how well you can enforce them. Let me repeat that. Your boundaries are only as good as how well you can enforce them. They're your boundaries and therefore your responsibility. If you tell people you're not going to drink and an hour or two later you are two glasses deep, it's hard to expect people to respect those boundaries when you haven't even respected them yourself. However, if you tell people you're not going to drink and you do it on this one occasion and then the next and then the next, 
they'll see that and they'll eventually stop asking or reduce the frequency in which they're going to ask you. Standing by your word is the most important way of enforcing your boundaries. All right, on to the final consideration and then into some actionable strategies. So I'm going to start with the cliche saying that is true in the scenario. By failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. By failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. Preparation in many domains of life is your key to success. This is a crucial aspect of managing socials when I work with my clients at EHC. We discuss their weekend plans in advance. We scope out the menus together. We talk about how they're going to adjust their calories in the lead up to these socials. We talk about how many drinks they might have. We talk about strategies that are going to give them the best chance of success. And this can only happen with preparation. In reality, with boundaries, intentions, and a solid plan in place, you can literally attend every social event that comes up. This doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean your willpower won't be tested. It will mean that the variables are out of your control in the lead up, but with the above in place, you have a huge chance of succeeding. So if someone we're working with has an event coming up, it's not good enough just to know that it's coming. I want to know what we're doing about it. If I've been working with the individual for a while, I'll expect them to let me know what the plan of action is. Part of what I do as a coach is empower you to make your own decisions. The philosophy at EHC is to ensure that you are equipped with the education you need so you can handle these. It's a skill and it will help you maintain results in the long term as well. If someone is new to working with me, I'll ask them to send across the menu and let me know what they think they should be eating and how they might amend their days in advance. I'll then give them the green light if I think it's a smart move or some suggestions and we'll get a firm plan in place. I want to get them to a point where a social is dropped on them last minute and they can successfully navigate a menu without even having to sweat about it. And only if we prepare in advance for similar scenarios can we create that skill. So this has largely been about nutrition so far, but the same goes for training too. Let's say your usual uh, week from a training and cardio perspective looks like Monday, Wednesday, Friday training, Saturday cardio, but you're away for a long weekend, right? From Friday to Sunday. So we need to plan on how we're going to fit in that Friday training session. Are we going to move that final training session the week to Thursday and do the cardio on Tuesday instead? is where you're going. Going to have a gym where we'll be able to do the Friday session regardless. If it doesn't have a gym, are we going to do that session earlier in the week or carry it over to next week? Once again, it comes down to preparation. And as long as we think ahead, we don't have to miss a single session. We also don't have to stress about training during our long weekend break. If we do these things in advance, or we know that we're going to carry a session over into next week, when we prepare, we can get the best of both worlds. So these three things are absolutely key. What our goals are and what stage of the journey that you're in. Identity and setting boundaries. And finally, preparation. All right, on to the next portion of this episode, which is all about actionable strategies. And I'm going to be generous and I'm going to give you 10 different ways in which you can handle your socials effectively. But before we go into this, please make sure you consider those three things that we've already mentioned. And another couple of points to consider first. If you are in a time-sensitive phase, you will still need to remain mindful in these situations, no matter the strategy that you implement. The second is that these are strategies to be used occasionally. They're not long-term solutions by any means whatsoever. So let's get into it and we'll start with one of the most effective strategies that I pretty much use with the majority of the people I work with. And number one is pulling back on calories in advance. So let me map this out for you and use simple numbers so I don't get lost. 
Let's say we're on a nutrition plan and we're eating 1500 calories per day, 400 calories for breakfast, 400 calories for lunch, 400 calories for dinner, and 300 calories worth of snacks. We're going out for a meal in the evening. We've scoped out the menu and expect that this meal will be about 800 calories, 400 more than our normal evening meal. So the first thing we have to recognize, and nine out of 10, nine out of 10 times here, it's going to be that carbs and fats are super easy to get when eating out. Like this happens even more than nine out of 10 times, probably like 99% of the time. So this is where we really want to look to pull back from. And in most cases, I wouldn't recommend pulling back from protein. So we need an extra 400 calories for dinner. And there's a couple of ways in which we can do this. The first way we might do this is just skipping breakfast altogether. We just fast until lunch and we've got those extra 400 calories. We might take a little hit on protein from this meal, but it's a fairly effective approach. Although I think there is a better way of doing it. If we do want to be a little bit more accurate, we could keep the protein portion of your breakfast. Let's say that 400 calorie breakfast is oats and a protein shake, right? We'd keep the protein shake, we'd get rid of the oats. And now instead of, you know, getting rid of those 400 calories, we've got 150 calories from the protein, but we've won back 250 calories from those oats. So we now have to get 150 more calories to be in line with our daily calories. And the easy way of doing this for me would be just to head to the snack section, right? We have 300 calories worth of snacks. So let's say you're having 150 calories worth of dark chocolate. We'd simply remove this and ta-da, you have those extra 400 calories you needed for dinner by taking away from the oats from breakfast, but still having your protein shake and then taking away that dark chocolate from your snacks. So, and the big key thing here is that we kept the protein in place, which is going to help with your satiation and make sure that, you know, you don't go into that evening meal super, super hungry. So this can be done for almost any scenario, as long as you know the calorie content of the meal and, or at least you roughly know. And a pro tip here on that note is to always overestimate when you're eating out too. If you think it's going to be 400 calories, give yourself a safety net and assume it's 500, especially when you're dieting. And the next thing to mention here is like, even if you're on a menu like Nando's or something where they have the calorie content, just be aware that that's on the average dish. It, you don't know if there's just like a extra 50 gram chicken breast that they've not accounted for, or they put five or six extra fries in your, you know, in your pack of fries, right? We don't know that that happens. It's just the average. So we want to be adding those extra calories. About a hundred will usually suffice, especially when we're in a fat loss phase. So the second approach is the pulling back in reverse. And this is very similar, but the circumstances this time are different. You've eaten all your meals and you end up going out on an unexpected dinner. Your calories are over by again, four or 500. If we're erring on the side of caution, we ate all of our other meals as we weren't expecting to go out. Uh, what do we do? And in some cases, you may just want to get back on track the next day, which can be totally fine depending on the situation. However, if you want to keep your calories in check, you simply do the same, but in reverse. The next day, you either fast through the morning, you save those 400 calories from breakfast, or like we did before, you remove the fat and carb portion from the couple of meals or your snack. Literally the same approach, but with the meal, meals the next day instead of the day in the lead up. And I'd always favor the prepare and advance technique, but this can be used fairly effectively, especially for those last you know, last minute occasions that you weren't expecting to come up. And on to the third, which is once again similar, but on a very different occasion. And I feel like it is worth going through all of these, which is the pulling back for a few days in advance and potentially the following days. I'm just naming these as I go. Let's take an example where you're going to a wedding. You have the rehearsal dinner on Friday and maybe there's a day of socializing as well. 
the wedding is on a Saturday, and then there's a brunch or something on the Sunday before you head home. It's going to be really hard to predict how many calories you go over by, but you do want to create a bit of a safety net. So here is what we would do. Your best bet is to roughly estimate how much you're going to be going over by, and then start preparing accordingly. So let's say you give yourself a safety net of 1000 calories, right? Which is probably a wise thing to do. It's like an extra roughly 330 calories per day. And it's pretty wise considering it's going to be a three day event. So from Monday of that week, we simply reduce our daily calories by 250 all the way up until Thursday. And just like before, we can take this from carbs and fats. And when we arrive on Friday, our 1000 calorie safety net is in place. We continue to remain mindful. We enjoy ourselves and fingers crossed from a calorie perspective, we remain in a good place. However, that might not always be the case. And let's say that the wedding was a little bit more wild than you expected and a thousand calories probably wasn't enough. What do we do? And basically the same, but for the following one to four days after, depending on how wild it was. So you simply on that Monday, you would reduce by 250 calories again, maybe on the Tuesday and maybe on the Wednesday and you get back to normal on Thursday. Then you've created that kind of reverse approach where you've saved about 750 calories. So that's the kind of the free day or lead up in advance approach that we can utilize. The next is utilizing cardio as a safety net. And this is number four. And I didn't realize that all first four of these would be very similar, but I feel like it's helpful going through all of these. And the next is utilizing cardio. So I want to be clear with this. Pulling back on food is going to be far more accurate than adding in exercise. When we don't eat 300 calories, we can pretty much guarantee that we didn't eat 300 calories. When we technically burn 300 calories, we're relying on the Fitbits, the Apple Watches, etc. And whether we actually burnt that many calories is not guaranteed and is kind of questionable as well. However, it can be done. So let's say you're pulling back by 250 calories a day and because you are quite deep into your dieting phase, it's quite a lot. So what you'd prefer to do is pull back by 150 and you do that for four days, but you still need to save an extra 400 calories. And what you do is you add maybe a 45 to 50 minute cardio session. You aim to burn 400 plus calories and ta-da, you've created your extra deficit and your safety net by doing it in a combination of cardio and food. You could just do cardio, but like I said, I recommend utilizing food as it's going to be a little bit more accurate than just doing cardio. So let's move on to drinks now and onto my next rule, which is the alternating drink rule. And I'll be honest, I told you I am making up these names, <laughs> but this is a really effective strategy for those who are big drinkers and are still in the habit of drinking quite a lot. And they do want to partake. And the rule is simple. For every alcoholic drink you have, you have a soft drink, ideally a diet soft drink, in between. So for someone who may have had eight pints when they're out with their friends, they're now having four beers and four pints of, I don't know, Diet Coke or Diet Lemonade. And for the person who was having four glasses of wine, they're now having two glasses of wine and two glasses of water or something sparkling water in between. A lot of the time, it's hard to be at these occasions empty-handed. So what this does, it will ensure that you have a drink in your hand and will ensure that they don't keep adding up and adding up because sometimes you can be at these occasions for like five, six, seven hours. So it's really important that you space them out, you add in those soft drinks in between to create a little bit more of a buffer before you actually end up having countless amounts of drinks. A lot of the times it's really hard to be empty-handed at these occasions and this will ensure that you have a drink in your hands without them adding up too quickly because we can be at these occasions for four, five, six, seven hours sometimes. So what this will do is or just elongate the time and make sure that you don't have too many drinks back to back to back. 
On to number six, which is the one plate rule. This is especially effective for barbecues and buffets. It also ties into setting intentions before you go into these events, because if you go before and you tell yourself, I am sticking to this one plate rule and that's it, you've eliminated your chances of going for more as long as you stay true to your word. So I know you might be thinking, well, you know, I, I might have one plate, but that plate could be a thousand calories plus depending on the food available and also depending on how high I stack up my plate, which is very true and this is why the makeup of that plate matters as well so the way that i would do this is i go one quarter of your plate will contain a protein source whatever you can find at the event that contains protein hopefully lean protein as well this will help you from a society standpoint and it will fill a good quarter of your plate the next is the other half of your plate will be full of vegetables and salad fill this up as liberally as you want to as it will provide a really good amount of volume it will make sure that your plate looks nice and full so no one will question you you know you're eating at the occasion no one will question if you've got had any food or not and it will keep you satisfied too and the other quarter is whatever you wish to have this will help you enjoy you know the aspects of the social that you wanted to whilst continuing to keep within your plan and the parameters that you set for yourself to keep yourself under control so on to number seven probably one of my favorites here which is practice good meal hygiene i'm not sure if we've spoken about meal hygiene in a great deal on the podcast and if not i'd like to cover this extent at some point, but it's simply about making sure that you are eating in a way that's going to promote optimal digestion and satiety. It's very easy not to feel satisfied by food because we're simply distracted. We're eating quickly, we're just picking up food aimlessly. If instead we ensure we eat slowly, we opt for 20 to 40 chews per bite. We're not taking big bites in between conversations. We're far more likely to feel satisfied from what we're eating. Try to sit down when you're eating. Put down your knife and fork occasionally to slow down the pace. Use a knife and fork even if everyone else is using their hands even. All of these will promote good digestion and great satisfaction from the food we're eating, therefore leading to less calories consumed. On to the next, which is number eight, which is eat only what you want. This is a strategy that I discuss quite a lot around Christmas with people. If you ask someone before Christmas or even before a birthday or any occasion, what types of food do they want to have? They'll give you a short list of maybe like three types of food, which they're super excited about. Maybe it's pigs and blankets, maybe it's mulled wine, but there's usually just a handful and it's not that many usually either. They don't care much for the potatoes, the stuffing, the Christmas pudding, but they'll partake because it's there. But this is where I want to encourage you in these situations, especially if you're at like a buffet or barbecue to only go for what you want to have and think about this in advance as well this will allow you to be satisfied without filling up calories with anything unnecessary like don't eat the bread on the table just because it's there don't eat the extra chips that come with the meal that you have even if you don't want them, right? Only have what you want. And especially if you've got this whole mantra that you, you know your parents brought you up with is that you have to clear your plate. That's something that needs to be left behind in the past. It's conditioning that you long no longer need. And you know, and even if you don't like the idea of leaving food behind from a, a waste perspective, ask the waiter beforehand. Just say, hey, can you bring half the amount of chips you would usually do? Or don't bring any at all and opt to share with someone else. And on to the next, which is number nine, which is the starter or dessert rule. Pretty self-explanatory here. Pick one, not both. And try and share it with someone too. Usually there is someone at the table who just wants a few spoonfuls of dessert and not the entirety. So go half of them and save yourself half the calories. And on to number 10, which is the final one I've got for you, which is eat before you go 
or bring your own food. Eating before is a great way to ensure you stay on track. Like this is a great approach when eating isn't a primary part of this specific social occasion. For instance, if appetizers are going to be served or if the occasion is drinks only, but some people might be eating, simply have your normal meal ahead of going and you're going to be much less tempted by whatever is available. It's usually not very good or it's usually not very satiating. So you end up consuming more calories than you would. The second option is to bring your own food. If it's like a picnic or a birthday party at someone's house, why the hell wouldn't you, right? It's probably worth bringing something for the picnic or party. There's nothing wrong with just bringing your own food, especially if it's like with close friends, family, and it's not necessarily like a restaurant or anything like that. But actually, you know, a restaurant is doable too. Maybe not advisable, but definitely doable too. Uh, but definitely something you want to do when you're with close friends and family, you go into someone's house, for instance, they should be totally okay with that. Like I said, maybe just bring them a bottle of wine to soften the blow a little bit. So those are my 10 strategies that you can use quite effectively. I'm quite surprised at how easy it was to come up with those and probably have quite a few more, but we'll keep it at 10 for today. You don't have to apply all of them. Just take a handful of them and I'm sure that they will really help. And I'll finish off with one final important message. The reason you're going to the social occasion is not about the food. It's about the people. It's about the event, the celebration. Yes, food is an aspect and it is important in some senses. And yes, it's synonymous with a lot of these events, but focus on the occasion itself as opposed to the food and drink that surrounds it. And you will be in a lot better of a position and you should get the most out of that occasion without worrying about missing out on any other food and drink. So that is today's episode. I feel like this is going to be one of those classic episodes that still rings true in five to 10 years time. So I'm really excited about having this out there in the world. I hope it serves you well and please share it with a friend who you feel will take a lot of value from it. Share it on social media. Let's get this episode to as many people as possible and revisit this episode in the future as much as you need to. And I hope it will help you get back to your social life without compromising your health and fitness goals. So that's everything from me today, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Take care of yourself and we'll speak soon. And that was the Simply Fit Podcast. I hope you gained a huge amount of value from today's episode. I feel inspired to improve your health and well-being. Be sure to search for Simply Fit in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from. And go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, if you like the episode, please don't forget to give it a five-star rating. I'd love to hear your feedback or any questions you have. So reach out to me on social media. You'll find me on Facebook and Instagram at Elliot Hassoun. Thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to talking with you all on the next one.